Um, if we can stand to honor God's word, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. We're going to read three verses. And it says, as soon as they have the scripture pulled up, we'll just wait. I know a lot of people probably have their Bibles, and some people maybe don't. Hopefully it's working. Is it working? Not working yet? There it is. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Brother Buddy, would you ask the Lord's blessing today? Amen. You may be seated. So to, the title of today's message is Touching Jesus. Touching Jesus. Um, we read in this scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, we started out in where it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest. And you know that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. You can read about it in the book of Chronicles. You can read about the 24 courses of the priesthood. These were all descendants of Aaron, the high priest, the Aaronic priesthood. And out of these 24 men that are mentioned, they had descendants, and their descendants served as a high priest. And by the time that Jesus walked the earth, there was just maybe one opportunity, if you were a descendant of one of those uh, individuals, one of those 24 names, you might get an opportunity to serve. And we've heard about that, about John the Baptist's father, who was serving and maybe his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and chance. He was of the course of Abia, we can read in the Bible. He was the eighth course. And so Jesus Christ, though, is the great high priest. Because he entered in once and for all. You see, every year the high priest would go in on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. He would go in twice, once for his sins and then once for the sins of the people. And we've read in Hebrews that so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So you could imagine the people waiting for him to come out that second time to know their sins had been rolled forward one more year. But see, Jesus is the great high priest. He went in once and for all, never to have to have a day of atonement again because Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. So because of that, right, he uh, says that he's passed into the heavens. Jesus Christ has passed into the heavens. And so we might think that he is a God that's not accessible because he's passed into the heavens. The heavens is pretty amazing. It's pretty far. 
and I looked this up just for fun, just to see how far is the farthest observable star that we know about. And they say that it's 28 billion light years away. That means traveling at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. For 28 billion years, you'd finally get there. That's a long ways. We can't even fathom it, really, traveling at that speed for that many years. 28 billion light years away. And so maybe let's put this in perspective a little bit. If we were to go to the moon, traveling at the speed of light, we'd get there in under two seconds. Most of us probably will never go to the moon in our lifetime. Probably not. <laughs> it's a possibility, right? It's a possibility, but most likely we won't go to the moon. And so we get this idea that Jesus is passed into the heavens. And so he's so far away, he is inaccessible. And, but he is accessible. We can reach out and we can touch him. We talked a little bit about it on Friday night at the Sharon's property. And we talked about that passage where Paul stood at Mars Hill. And he said, in him we live and breathe, right? We have our being. He said he's accessible. He's not far from every one of us. That's what he said. That's what Paul said. And um, so this great high priest is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there's no need for him to enter in again, and he will not enter in again. And there, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. That's it. It was done. One passage says in Hebrews 2.17, it says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him, it behooved Jesus Christ to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. He wanted to be made like unto his brethren in all ways, in all things. He went through everything you and I can go through, everything you and I can experience. He is an accessible God. He's somebody that's relatable. He's somebody that we can come to know. He's somebody we must know. That's Jesus. And so he came just like each and every one of us as a conception 23 chromosomes from mom, 23 chromosomes from dad, 46 chromosomes in every cell of his body. Jesus was 23 chromosomes from Mary and 23 chromosomes of what God became. So in every cell of his body, he was both fully God and fully man. He went through gestation, just like all of us did. He went through that birth process, just like each and every one of us did. He took that first breath, just like we all did. He, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. So Jesus Christ was made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest 
in all things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So that passage that we read, that we started out with, it said, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. It's a double negative. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched. So what we do have is we have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So um, God came, as we know, in the form of man. And Caleb, man, I didn't know it. Brother JJ, you didn't tell me. But he has the same favorite verse that I got, that I gave you, as me. Hey, great minds think alike, right, Caleb? All right. So I, I put First Timothy three sixteen on my verse for my shirt, and the reason why is because I put my favorite verse for this year's passage, and I just love that. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And so we, you know, uh, the Trinitarian says God the Son was manifest in the flesh. That's not what that verse says. There's not God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, three separate gods. It's one God. And that God manifests himself in flesh. And so God, our great God, came in the form of a man. He's not a God that is far off. He's not a God that we cannot fill after and find him. We talked about this Friday night, right? Fill after him and find him. Fill after him and find him. So Jesus Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. John writes this way in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. He said, that which was from the beginning... We talked about the difference between beginning here, right? The John 1, 1 beginning and the Genesis 1, 1 beginning. The Genesis 1, 1 beginning is the beginning of the cosmos. The John 1, 1 beginning is the beginning of it all. That happened prior to Genesis 1, 1. And so that which was from the beginning, we know the word is from the beginning. We don't ever see anything that says the word was before the beginning. But we know the word was from the beginning, right? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. You can touch him. They touched Jesus Christ. Their hands handled this word of life. And... This life, it says, the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. And we, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the apostles handled him. They touched him. Amen. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there to touch Jesus? And a number of years ago, I got this feeling that I was going to start watching documentaries on Israel. 
And as I began to watch these documentaries and as I began to see these cities and these places in the scripture, it just really got to me. And I thought, I want to go there. I want to walk where Jesus walked. I want to try to, uh, as I'm reading the scripture, try to get an understanding of what it was like. I want to have a vision, a visual in my mind of what it looked like. And so I remember when we went to Israel in 2017. Um, and I, got, I received that text as we were getting ready to fly out from Brother Smith. And he said, uh, may you have the Lord's perspective on this trip. And he said, there's a meaning and a special meaning behind that. And I knew what he was talking about. I knew what he was talking about to have the Lord's perspective. And so I prayed for the Lord's perspective. So we got over there, we landed, and we've seen a lot of great things that you could see. And the day that we got to the Sea of Galilee and we got on a boat and they began to sing, I was getting a little bit motion sickness on that bus going to Galilee and as soon as we got out and I smelled that fresh air, I was worried about being seasick because I do get motion sickness. But we got on that boat and they said, we just love Christians here. And they began to sing, he came from heaven to earth to show the way from the, and they were clapping and they were dancing, my debt to pay. And I began to feel the presence of the Lord. And um, we went out and we, I began to, the breeze and the smell of, and just being on the Sea of Galilee, and I was emotional. And um, they were selling these little things. I got it at home. It's a, it's a laminated sheet, and I bought that sheet, and it says, Today I walked where Jesus walked. And that was just like my desire to walk where Jesus walked, to get his perspective, to see the things that he saw. And there was this apostle of Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 24. And he's a lot like a lot of us, right? You got to prove it to me. I'm not going to believe in God unless you give me some evidence. I want to see it to believe it. Thomas in verse 24, one of the 12 called Didymus. He, it means double. He was a twin, right? They say. I don't know who his twin brother was. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. We have a couple twins here today, Sister McAtee, Sister B. Corey's not here today. He's an identical twin. But I, I know anyone else a twin? All right. So I know of three twins that are here today. But Thomas, this, uh, he wasn't with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. We have a God that we can feel after and we can find him. He wants us to touch him. Touching Jesus is so important. 
How important is it to you to touch the Lord Jesus? And he said, go ahead, Thomas. You know, and maybe you feel like your life has been such a mess. You've sinned some great sins. And how could this everlasting, wonderful God without sin want me to touch him or even he touch me? But he wants you to touch him. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. What a declaration that Thomas made concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And I remember reading that scripture as a teenager and thinking, you know what? I'm blessed because I haven't seen him and I believe. But... Has God's power, has the power of Jesus Christ lessened because he passed into the heavens? No, it hasn't. He has all power in heaven and in earth. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus had all power. So... We read on Friday night, Acts 17, and verse 26 through 28. We read a lot more than this, but I'm not going to redo that Bible study. It says, Hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord. We ought to seek the Lord. We ought to seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Even though he's passed into the heavens, he's here. He's not far from every one of us. Feel after him, find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring." Feel after him. To feel after him from Strong's means to manipulate, to verify by contact, figuratively to search for, feel after, handle and touch. It's four times in the New Testament. You can touch him. You can feel after him. You can find him. And so you guys know the story about that woman that had an issue of blood. She had had that issue of blood for 12 years years. And she took all the money that she had and she spent it on doctors. She spent it on physicians and it was all gone. And she had ran out of money. She was completely out of money. And we do that a lot of times, don't we? We try everything else. And then when we have no other thing that we can do, when all else fails, you know, we'll try Jesus. But I think that we ought to just Try Jesus first myself. So she, uh, we can read in Mark 5, 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. I wonder what gave her the idea. 
I mean, have you guys ever thought about this? What gave her the idea to touch the hem of his garment? Because we, I mean, who was the first one that had the idea to touch him? Because he went around and he healed and he touched people. But maybe she had this idea, I can just go over there sneakily. I don't even have to touch his flesh. I could just touch the hem of his garment. And since the garment is touching his flesh, you know, I, you know I'm going to give this a shot. She broke all the rules because she was unclean. And she rubs shoulders. She wasn't supposed to be there being that unclean. And she snuck her way in. And it was a press of people, a lot of people. She fought her way through and tried to touch Jesus. And she did touch him. And she said, if I could just touch his clothes in verse 28, I shall be whole. Verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her plague. Has anybody ever felt that touch from the Lord Jesus Christ? You just knew something happened. And Jesus, Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? He wasn't lessened. There was not less virtue in him. It just began to flow. And that virtue went, and, it, and he knew who, he, who she was. His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? A lot of people just trying to get close to Jesus. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. So touching Jesus can make all the difference in your life. Will you do what it takes to touch him? Reminded me of this story in Mark chapter 2. There was this guy, and um, it says here in verse 1, again, he entered into Capernaum after some days Jesus entered, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. The house was packed. There wasn't room for anybody else. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came, they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Four people. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. These are some people that were desperate to get this man to Jesus. And they decided they were going to do what it took to get him to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, who can forgive sins, right? They asked that question in verse 7 where it said, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus, he knows how to read your thoughts. He can answer your thoughts. He perceived, right, in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. He said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? 
Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. He does have the power to forgive sins, and he has the power to heal. So we need to get ourselves, whatever it might take, are you willing to get yourselves to the place where Jesus can touch you or that you can touch Jesus? Mark, Matthew 8, 2. There's a lot of scriptures. I won't read them all. Behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He touched somebody that was unclean. And you think that he might not be able to touch you because your sin is so great. When Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand. That's verse 14 and 15, same chapter. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. In Matthew 9, 27, when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yeah, Lord, we believe. Then touched he their eyes. How many have ever felt his touch? The touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's powerful. In Matthew 14, 35, when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might touch, only touch the hem of his garment. If we could just touch the hem of his garment. Touching Jesus. While he yet spake, in Matthew 17, 5, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, you have to understand that they had a fear of seeing God. They believed that if you saw God, you would not be able to live. That's what they believed in the Old Testament. We can't see his face and live, Right? That's what he said to Moses. No man could see my face. You can't survive it. And so when they would see an angel, when they would see something, they'd, man, how can we survive this? This is, God is way too great. So God spoke to them, and they were afraid. The disciples heard it. They fell on their face in verse 6 and were sore afraid. How many have ever been afraid and you felt the touch of the Lord? And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus stood still in verse 32 and called them and said, What will you that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. 
So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. And Mark 10, verse 13, it says, They brought young children to him that he should touch them. How many have children here today? I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I wanted my children to feel the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ young. I wanted them to have a relationship. I wanted God to have a relationship with my children. I wanted each and every child, I wanted him to touch them. And so parents, they brought their young children. They brought some infants. They brought their children to Jesus that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms. He took these children up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And sometimes we get to feeling like children are inconvenience. You know, but Jesus loved the children. Suffer the little children to come unto me. Don't forbid them. In Luke chapter 6, verse 17, he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. That's something. That's a lot of people trying to touch Jesus. If I could just touch Jesus, it would make a difference. But there's a big multitude here. And there's no way that I can get to Jesus, so I'm just going to give up, right? We might give up, but I want to encourage you today, no matter what, don't give up. Do what you have to do to get to Jesus. Touch the Lord Jesus today. And so they sought to touch him, for there went out virtue out of him and healed a couple of them. Did I, oh, did I misread that? Oh, it says he healed them all. He healed every one of them. He's got enough virtue to heal them all. It's that never-ending virtue. You can't take enough virtue, and he'll still have it. He'll still have plenty. And this story in Luke chapter 7, it says in verse 39, now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, had bidden Jesus to a feast, and there was a woman there, maybe not the best type of woman, and she wanted to wash the feet of Jesus. Maybe she didn't have the greatest reputation. Maybe she, um, we don't know everything, but um, <clears throat> we know what this Pharisee said within himself, right? He said, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known 
who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And so can I tell you that Jesus did know? He knew who was touching him. He had perfect understanding him of, of, he had perfect understanding of who this woman was. And it didn't take away from him allowing her to touch him. Have you ever touched somebody and they said, don't touch me? Have you guys done that? I've done that before. Some people don't want to be touched, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus wants to be touched. He wants you to reach out, feel after him, find him, touch him. Touching Jesus. There are many gods in the minds of men, but how many of them actually encourage you to behold him? How many of those gods encourage their followers to handle him, to see him? He wants us to handle him. He wants us to see him. He wants us to seek after him. Luke 24, 36 Um, it says, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and they were affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And there are many other scriptures. And some of them are repeated, but I don't, I'm not going to go through all the scriptures. We can't go through them all today. But I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to touch him. He's not far from every one of us. In him we live and breathe. We have our being. We talked about it um, on Friday night. A Friday afternoon, I had a Bible study down there in Fairfield. And I, did, so I shared Psalm 139. And in Psalm 139, he said, Whether, where can I go from your presence? Where can I go that you're not there? If I, if I went up here, you're there. If I made my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Where can I go where you're not? Because he is omnipresent. We can reach him. He, we can reach him right where we're at. If we'll make, our, make it up in our minds, if we'll make a decision today that we want to touch the Lord Jesus Christ, we can touch him today. Amen. And let's just take a few moments and a little bit of time, and let's, let's worship him. I thought of that song that I wanted to sing for you today, Touching Jesus. Amen.
never be the same. There is only one way to touch Him. Just believe when you call on His name. Touching Jesus is all that really matters and then your life will never be the same 